Hi everyone, John Carlin here, and coming up on the Shark Fighter podcast, I'll be talking a little bit today about COVID-19 and its continued impact on folks with sarcoidosis and other immunosuppressed conditions. And then Sark patient Bob Gross of Gardner, Maine stops by, and he'll be sharing his story. The, the first time I noticed any particular lung problems, I, I was on a cruise with my fiancé and her family. And um, on a cruise ship, they have long aisles. And I forgot something in my room and had to backtrack and go back and I could hardly breathe. More from Bob and the latest on COVID-19 as the nation begins to consider opening up. The foundation for sarcoidosis research is the nation's leading nonprofit organization dedicated to finding the cure for this disease and to improving care for sarcoidosis patients worldwide. Since its establishment in 2000, FSR has fostered over $5 million in sarcoidosis-specific research efforts and has provided disease education and support for thousands of individuals navigating life with sarcoidosis. Learn more about FSR and how they're supporting those impacted by this disease at www.stopsarcoidosis.org. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Well, hello once again, everyone, and welcome to the Sark Fighter Podcast. I am your host, John Carlin. Today is Monday, April 27th, 2020. And uh, this is the day when we want to remind everyone about the ongoing struggle, the ongoing fight with sarcoidosis. So I call myself the Sark Fighter as it relates to this podcast. And of course, if you are out there, whether you're a researcher, a fundraiser, or a patient, or somewhere in between, you two are fighting sarcoidosis. And so we are all Sark Fighters. Today we have episode 8, and I'll be talking with Bob Gross of Gardner, Maine. He has a severe case of sarcoidosis in his lungs. He's also an advocate for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. He found out that he had SARC when he was on a cruise, and we'll hear a little bit about that as he goes through his story. And, you know, the thing that I hear over and over is uh, misdiagnosis. People with sarcoidosis, you have to rule everything else out before they get down to sarcoidosis. And in some cases, that means years of the wrong treatment, which is years of suffering and frustration because things don't work, because they're giving you the medicine for the wrong thing, because they didn't know it was sarcoidosis. And and Bob was one of the people who suffered through that. So he'll talk uh, about how they eventually figured it out. So that's coming up later. Uh, also, last week, I was uh, I went off a little bit about methotrexate because I've been taking it for a month. I give myself an injection in my belly uh, once a week. It's four mils, and it has just made my life miserable. 
And so I have uh, been going back and forth with my doctors at the Cleveland Clinic, and uh, there's a pretty good opportunity, I think, a pretty good chance, let's say that, that I will be getting off of methotrexate. I'll, I'll, I'll update you on that. Now, if you're new to the podcast, the Sark Fighter podcast is, as I said before, it is a podcast focused at sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. And so far, all of them have been about sarcoidosis in particular. But as we branch out and and we go through uh, the year of 2020, it is my intention to talk to uh, some people in the other uh, rare disease categories because I think we all have a lot in common. But but that's what it's all about. It's a place where we can gather. And, you know, when the COVID-19 pandemic is over, uh, one of the things I like to do is just look at some of the events going on around the country, whether they are seminars or fundraisers, 5Ks to raise money, you know, whatever it is, uh, but they've all been canceled. So I, when I envisioned this podcast, I thought we would shine a light on some of those, but there's not much to say or do right now. So uh, I just, uh, I want you to know that when things get back to normal, we'll have that. But I will be including some updates on sarcoidosis research just about every week. Uh, in fact, I can tell you right now that coming up soon, right here on the Sark Fighter podcast, we'll have a bonus podcast where you can listen to Dr. Robert Boffman, who is uh, considered by many to be the dean of the uh, sarcoidosis fight uh, among uh, medical people in the United States, and I'm sure that I've uh, way understated <laughs> Dr. Boffman's impact. But uh, yeah, he he is often thought of as the go-to person on sarcoidosis among physicians in the United States. And he recently, uh, late 2019, moderated a panel discussing SAF with three other leading sarcoidosis researchers from around the world, including uh, the UK and France, as well as Washington, D.C. And and if you don't know, SAF is short for Sarcoidosis Associated Pulmonary Hypertension. Basically, it's a significant complication of sarcoidosis in the lungs, and the doctors will be discussing the latest research on that. And and I can't tell you uh, what an honor and a privilege it is to be able to share their conversation on my fledgling podcast. They recorded it and they had the idea that it might be a good podcast. And then I've been working with the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. And they said, you know, this might be a good outlet for that. So uh, that'll be coming up soon. Look for it in late April or early May 2020. And uh, man, I just I just can't believe that they're going to use the Sark Fighter podcast as the platform for that. And I just could not be any more pleased. All right. Uh, meanwhile, the National Institutes for Health has come up with uh, $1.98 million, and they will be funding a blood test, which will help tell the difference between sarcoidosis and tuberculosis. And if you have been in this sector for long, you know that uh, that is not an easy thing to do. I know that when they were going through and, and trying to figure out what I had before we finally got a biopsy, there was a lot of discussion about tuberculosis. And I said, well, I've never had tuberculosis. Well, it looks like you've had tuberculosis. And, and, and so this is, something that, this is something that frustrates doctors, I'm sure, as much as it does patients. But basically, uh, what they're looking at is uh, sarcoidosis and TB uh, do leave sort of a similar path through your body. And I'm I'm broad brushing that on purpose because I don't want to get out of my depth with this. 
Here's what I can tell you uh, about this, and I am reading from the Sarcoidosis News Newsletter with their permission. This is dated April 13th. But basically, the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, which is part of the National Institutes of Health, has given a nearly a $2 million grant to Wayne State University, which is in Detroit. Uh, the researchers there to refine an antibody-based technology that will help distinguish people with sarcoidosis from tuberculosis, tuberculosis patients and healthy individuals. Uh, tuberculosis also involves the uh, formation of granulomas, which we know about from sarcoidosis. And the, basically what's the problem is, is that simple tests are not good enough to distinguish between, what this is a medical term, latent tuberculosis infection, full-blown tuberculosis, and sarcoidosis. And so, uh, again, this is, uh, this is news that's coming out right now. So the NIH giving $2 million to help find out more information about that. Also, um, from Sarcoidosis News, again, with their permission, uh, Nord has opened a COVID-19 financial aid program for people in the rare disease community. So this is great. It's called the Nord COVID-19 Critical Relief Program, and it will provide up to $1,000 annually. So it's not going to change your life, but it'll take some of the hurt out. $1,000 annually to those eligible to support critical non-medical needs. So you don't have to pay for your medication. Well, you can buy groceries with it if you want, uh, or toilet paper or whatever. The program is designed to help rare disease patients and their families who are having financial hardships because of the COVID-19 outbreak. The individuals have to be United States citizens. They have to have permanent residency in the U.S. And they must have an income, this is the key here, an income at or below four times the federal poverty level or be experiencing financial difficulties because of the pandemic. When that's what we're hearing about a lot, that's what we're reporting on the news at my station every night. Uh, examples of these difficulties would be job loss, inability to work because of uh, local stay-at-home orders, and also because of school closures. So maybe you don't have daycare, so you can't work. And so all of these would be considered hardships. And I will put a link to both of these news releases in the show notes so that you can get more information if you want. And then I'll also link uh, something else from uh, NORD, National Organization for Rare Diseases. Uh, and they've just posted something that I think is pretty good. This says you're stronger than you think. And, and basically their premise is, look, we've been dealing with these kinds of things for a long time uh, because of the, the nature of these rare diseases that we have. And when you take sarcoidosis patients, 90% of whom have sarcoidosis um, in their lungs, uh, pulmonary sarcoidosis, as it were, uh, you've been dealing with trouble breathing forever. So uh, what they're saying is, hey, you know, yes, you are, if you are immunosuppressed, then you, you may be more likely to get COVID-19. On the other hand, you may have a better opportunity to deal with it, especially when you talk about the social distancing and some of the other things that are at issue. And then the other thing that I would point out to you, uh, which will also be in the show notes, is uh, a nice little video that was produced by uh, an association with the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research, and it's called Surviving with Sarcoidosis in the Era of Social Distancing 
by Joseph Barney, MD, uh, an associate professor, and this was uh, basically a webinar. Uh, and the uh, professor that I just mentioned, Joseph Barney, is at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. So uh, I will also put a note out there, but uh, in the show notes. So those are uh, those are some of the things that are going on this week. COVID-19 still having a big impact on all of our lives as we move forward and try to deal with our own sarcoidosis-related illnesses and other rare diseases, and now we've got COVID-19 on top of everything else. So um, a little bit more about the methotrexate and me before we get to my interview with Bob Gross. Last week, I I just said, you know, I think I've had enough of this. We are all looking for that balance between the side effects from these medications and keeping sarcoidosis under control, making, making sure we don't have a flare. In my case, I have sarcoidosis on my spinal cord, as you've probably heard me say. And if I have a flare and there's damage because of inflammation to my spinal cord, well, when that uh, inflammation goes away, the damage on the spinal cord stays. So for me, it's a, it's a bummer because my, my constant fear is that I'll have a flare. Having said that, I think it'd be worse to just go on with the way I was feeling about methotrexate after four weeks of those injections. I, I just I couldn't get through the day without taking a nap. I was feeling nauseous all the time. Uh, I tried to stay physically fit. It's one of the things that I enjoy. It's also one of the things that uh, I think helps me stave off the effects of sarcoidosis. And I was just so tired, I couldn't work out, and I'd ride my bicycle, and, and, and I, wasn't, I wasn't enjoying it. I'd, I'd ride, and then you know, I'd like to ride every day of the week. If I can, I'd have to take a day or two off before I felt strong enough. And last weekend, uh, we had a beautiful weekend here in southwest Virginia. I live in Roanoke, Virginia. It's, uh, I was mulching around the house, and man, by the end of the day, n- normal yard work had just wiped me out. So I wrote uh, a note on my chart to... Uh, my doctor, Dr. Ribirio, at uh, the Cleveland Clinic, and I said, let's try something else. I'm already taking Humira. They wanted to be more aggressive. They suggested methotrexate as the second drug on top of the Humira, and I said, let's try something else. So he uh, wrote back to me and said, let's let's go with azithorapine. Um, I never say that right, but um, he said, you've had good success with that before. Let's try that and see if it doesn't work. So as I speak to you right now, we are waiting for that to happen, and I have decided I will not be taking any more methotrexate unless uh, Dr. Manny calls me back and says, uh, "John, you gotta, you know, you gotta get on this." But I don't think he will. I, that that wasn't my that wasn't my takeaway from the email that we exchanged. So anyway, that's a little bit of my sad story and some information for you. Now, uh, today we have the interview with Bob Gross of Gardner, Maine. And like my other guests, Bob has agreed to share his story here on the Sark Finder podcast. And it's coming up right after this. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Finder podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast.
Welcome back to the Sark Fighter Podcast. I am joined today by Bob Gross of Gardner, Maine, and he's here to share some of his sarcoidosis story on the Sark Fighter Podcast. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about uh, where sarcoidosis is impacting your body. Okay. Um, I've, I've had... Um uh, I, I've, I've had pulmonary sarcoidosis, which, which is the lungs. Um, I've been misdiagnosed twice with cardiac, but um, aside from all the trouble of going through the misdiagnosis process, mm-hmm. it's just my lungs. Well, I guess that's good news. Yes. So how bad is it in your lungs? Um, I have um, uh, 61% lung capacity between both lungs. Um, I used to have 52%, but I've lost weight, and they measure your lung capacity based on your weight. So um, the, the same lungs are now worth 62%. Okay. So uh, now, are you retired now? Yes. I've been right. retired since 2005. All right. Did you retire because you reached that age, or did you retire because you had health issues with sarcoidosis? Um, I had health issues with diabetes. Okay. And um, they got tired of calling the ambulance uh, at 4.30 in the afternoon. Wow. So, but that's a different that's disability. That's a different story. It's a different issue. Sure. So, so you're going along with your life, mm-hmm. I don't want to say fat and happy, but I mean yeah. because you have the diabetes mm-hmm. and right. so forth, but all of a sudden sarcoidosis appears. How did that yes. happen? Um, the, the first time I noticed any particular lung problems, I, I was on a cruise with my fiancé and her family, and um, on a cruise ship they have long aisles, and I forgot something in my room and had to backtrack and go back, and I could hardly breathe. Wow. Um, um, that, was the fir- that was the first time I saw the ship's doctor, and he gave me an albuterol inhaler for asthma. But as it turned out, the, the inhaler never helped me, and I didn't have asthma. Um, but I didn't find that out for two years. Uh, my primary care doc labeled me with exertional asthma. And every time I'd see him, I'm, when I say coughing, it was a chronic cough. Um, I would cough so much and that I would get rib cage pain because my mm. ribs were just tired of coughing so much. Dry cough, coughing up phlegm? Um, dry cough. Uh-huh. Dry okay. cough. Um, um, I, spe- and I, I spent two years where codeine cough syrup just to relax the cough was the only thing that helped me. I said the albuterol inhaler never helped, but the doc kept saying some asthmatics wheeze and others cough. That was the end of and he was discussion. just He was sure he was right. Yes. And yes. how did you figure out he was wrong? Well, um, I thought I was having a heart attack one day. I could hardly breathe. And um, I asked my wife to call the amb- ambulance. And... Um, um, I, I, I went. I went to the emergency room. They uh, they thought I was having a heart attack too, but um, they take enzyme tests um, to verify a heart attack, and my heart enzymes, cardiac enzymes, were, fu- were fine. Um, they 
took a chest x-ray, came out and asked me if I smoked. And I said, no, I've never smoked. And uh, they said, uh, well, as you probably didn't, because with all that black on your chest x-ray, you'd be dead by now. So they ruled out, <laughs> they ruled out lung, lung cancer. Um, there was a, um, a resident from Portland. I'm, I live in Gardner, which is about an hour from Portland. Um, there was a resident who was moonlighting in the Augusta Hospital that weekend. And he looked at the chest x-ray and said, um, uh, he has a widened mediastinum. Um, your rib cage kind of spreads apart a little bit. Okay. And, um, and the, the doctors at the hospital, the regular doctor said, well, he's fat and fat people have widened mediastinums. So they, <laughs> they ruled that out. Well, um, they, they put me in the hospital overnight. A few hours later, that pulmonology resident from Portland came up and um, uh, made arrangements uh, for me to have a uh, bronchoscopy where they take a, a, a biopsy out of your lungs. Sure. Because uh, I, I don't know if he convinced them or they just couldn't figure out what else I had. So, so let's take so, a closer so, so look. They, so they let the guy from out of town uh, come up and they arranged that. Um, <clears throat> The bronchoscopy just took four small samples, four small biopsies, and came back negative. Um, they immediately scheduled me for a mediastinoscopy, which takes a larger sample of your lung tissue, because they said, with all that black on your chest x-ray, we can't imagine the first test came back negative. Right. Something's going on. Right, yeah. So at least they, they kept looking. Right. And um, the mediastinoscopy takes a larger swatch of uh, tissue and I and, and that diagnosed me um, as having respiratory sarcoidosis um, and this was in uh, 1995 the doctor then referred me to a practice in New York City they were that was the closest place where there was doctors who knew anything about sarcoidosis was that Mount Sinai or where no, was it, that? it was a it was just a practice of seven doctors okay it was just and um, in an office, and not part of a clinic or anything. So I called and I made the appointment. And um, the receptionist said, um, uh, for your first appointment, be prepared to pay between $1,500 and $4,500 cash, or cash check or money order. And I said, excuse me, you know, I have good insurance. And she said, we don't take insurance. And, but they'd be happy to give me all the paperwork I needed to fight with my insurance company to get to get some reimbursement. And at that for point, it. sarcoidosis means nothing right. to most right. insurance companies, and, right? Right. And uh, so I, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I thought about it for a couple of days because I didn't have forty five hundred dollars, and that was just for the first visit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who does? I yeah, mean, yeah, plus the airfare sure. from Maine to. to New York. New York City. Um, so I went to the... Um, now, the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research was only established in 1994, and this was 1995. And, but they were the only 
when you when you put sarcoidosis into a search engine, that's the only thing that popped up. Right. You know. So I I called them up and I explained the situation. I said, um, I I'm just looking for a doctor who knows about sarcoidosis who takes insurance. And I don't care if it's a good doctor or a bad doctor. So, some doctor. <laughs> just some doctor who can help me with this. And um, uh, they said, well, and although the foundation publishes on their website names of doctors in different states. At that time, it was a brand new organization. They didn't have anything. Sure. And, and they said, oh, we don't recommend doctors by name. I, I thought about that for a couple of days. I didn't know what, what to do. And um, I went back to the foundation website. I went to the board of directors page. I wrote a letter to every person on the board of directors with an MD after their name. Really? <laughs> and um, um, I said, the practice in New York City had seven sarcoidosis doctors. Four of them were on the board of directors because there was a small community of sure. both patients and doctors who knew anything about it. So I wrote all of the doctors a letter, explained my situation. I even sent it to those four thinking they'd show sympathy at me. Right. Um, um, a, a physician from the University of Chicago Hospital wrote back and said they, that he had he had t two doctors who specialize in sarcoidosis, and so I went I went there. The airfare from Maine to New York or Maine to Chicago was the same three hundred bucks. So it was like okay, okay, I'll, I will I will go there and. Um, um, and they they were you know they helped me uh, they put me on prednisone. No kidding. And yeah. yes, and I um, I was on prednisone for a total of five years. How many milligrams a day? Um, Forty, and then eventually down to thirty. Okay. And um, um, did you gain some weight? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, I, you, I was, and you were I already was, large at the time. I, I was a big guy before, yeah. and I was four hundred twenty pounds five years later. Wow, so you've lost a lot of weight because I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. you're you're not like Ichabod Crane right now, but right. you're not a big guy. Right. Yeah. Okay. So and, yeah, go um, ahead. Just for the listeners. Uh, yeah. Right. So no, I, I, yeah? It, it really swelled me up, but I could breathe good, and uh -huh. you know, before I could hardly breathe. Right. So it was, uh, you know, it, I used to call myself the prednisone poster child until I started getting all the side effects of long-term prednisone use. But when, when, when I was breathing clearly, I called myself the prednisone poster child. Right. Um, okay. Um, it, took, it took five or six tries to taper me off of the prednisone because I, I started having trouble breathing again. So they would take me off a longer, longer and longer time until, until, I, could, until I, I could get off prednisone without having trouble breathing. Um, from there, I thought I was fine. And um, over the next 20 years, I've developed enough, uh, I've developed uh, three um, um, problems of long-term side effect, uh, long-term side effects of prednisone. I have early cataracts. I have two cataract lenses. Um, I developed leg ulcers because Prednisone, um, the adhesive between your six layers of skin loosens up. 
Really? So that's just, a new one. I hadn't heard okay. that one. Yeah. You just bump your shin on a on a chair leg, and suddenly you got a leg ulcer. And hmm. it was uh, it was like instant leg ulcer. And um, and um, I, I also have um, uh, I, I have a chronic vitamin D deficiency. Right. Which I it wasn't until I got involved with um, Sarcoidosis Foundation that I realized that was that was a normal sarcoidosis side effect, having nothing to do with um, with prednisone. Right. And um, so so you so you so you taken the prednisone for a long time. Yeah. You decide you've been you've been on it for too long, mm-hmm. having all these side effects. Right. Uh, and the prednisone itself is making your life miserable, mm-hmm. and you gained a bunch of weight. Yeah. So what did you do to get from there to where you are now? Uh, I, I just kept living one one day at a time. You stopped the prednisone? Did you take oh, yeah. medication? No, no. Um, um, the only time I take prednisone now is um, if, if I catch a cold or something and my lungs fill up, right. I'll take it for two or four days. Uh, right. You know, just a... Just and anybody with asthma, my my wife has asthma. Anybody with asthma, when their lungs fill up, will take prednisone for a few days just to knock it down. Just to knock it down, but not, sure. Nothing, nothing like I used but to. But you've got to control the SARC with something, right now. Well, no, I, no, nothing. I, 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 um, I, I have reduced lung capacity, um, but it isn't spreading to other parts of your body then. No, I now I've been misdiagnosed twice with cardiac sarcoidosis. Um, because, you know, I'm a big guy, I do have some heart problems. Right. And the doctors think, well, you know, he had respiratory sarcoidosis. Well, this must be caused by cardiac sarcoidosis. Right. So they put you back on prednisone. Gotcha. And um, the last time I had a misdiagnosis, I was on 60 milligrams of prednisone until I got back to the University of Chicago. You know, which which I really love those guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, Until I got back there, and they um, took uh, took X-rays and MRI and everything, decided I didn't have it. Uh, But once I was on it, it took uh, seven weeks for me to taper off, Hmm. and I gained forty pounds. Right. And and you're seeing uh, that that those forty pounds on me now. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, I yeah, that's about I gained. I don't know. I probably thirty-five pounds, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I, I, I'm a kind of a short, skinny yeah. guy normally. Okay. So that's that's a lot mm-hmm. on my little frame. Uh, so you've joined the board of advocates. Yes. What mm-hmm. What does your mission? What are you trying to accomplish? Okay. How, how do you want to help? Okay. Um, in In Maine, which is a rural state, that's why they had a seminary in New York. You know, that's how that's, that's whole, one of the most rural that's how states. That's the right. started. People think of the Northeast, yeah. but mm-hmm. you know, once you get above Southern Maine, there's yeah. nothing. Right. Right. Okay. So you've got a rural yeah. state. Yeah. And um, uh, we we do um, uh, we uh, we do pro- we try to do a proclamations. April is um, Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, and we try to have the governor. Um, do a proclamation just to advertise that there were resources for sarcoidosis and uh, hoping people would call because um, there's there's really uh, even at the present time there there are 
uh, nine doctors in Maine who are on the sarcoidosis registry with the foundation, but um, I, 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 know, I don't know anybody who sees them, so I don't know okay. how effective they are or how many sarcoidosis patients they actually see. Right. Right. And so um, I'm just trying to, just trying to find out. Right. And um, just, you know, again, in a real estate, just trying to publicize because, um, you know, I want to find out what doctors the other patients are saying. Maybe we could refer some some of them there. My my case, I went to Chicago, <laughs> so I, I don't really know any of the local resources. Right. So you're uh, you were seeing a pulmonologist in Chicago? Um, a pulmonologist at first, and then with the two cardiac misdiagnoses, right. I'm, I'm, I, I see a cardiologist Cardi- now right. okay. who, who is also familiar with the... With sarcoidosis. Yes. Yeah. Which is, that's, you know, the, the good thing is, is when you started with this journey, you know, there were no doctors in right. Maine. Now okay. there are seven. Yeah. Uh, I have doctors in Roanoke, Virginia, mm-hmm. not a huge city. Uh, the Roanoke Valley inclusive right. is about 300,000 mm-hmm. people, and we've got the Carilion Clinic there, mm-hmm. which is a growing and robust thank God, uh, medical facility. Uh, but my point is, is that there's more and more doctors yeah. now mm-hmm. who are familiar with it, who speak mm-hmm. it, who under, understand it to the extent that anybody can understand it. I think the frustration is everybody's playing from the same playbook. Right. You know, yeah. you go with prednisone, about the Trexate, and maybe Remicade, and uh, azathioprine, mm-hmm. and now I'm on Humira. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm surprised you're not on some kind of a maintenance drug. Well, no, my, my, my lungs are clear. It's yeah. just there's not as much of them anymore. It's just that sarcoidosis yeah. comes back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've talked to several people oh. here and, and interviewed some other patients, mm-hmm. and you know they'll say, oh, yeah, for five years there was nothing, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden it was in my bones. Yeah. And well, I, I, I haven't got there yet. <laughs> you're so, you're so I lucky. You're lo- I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're unfortunate because you've had it, but yeah. I mean, you're lucky that it hasn't gotten mm-hmm. in your bones or yeah. And I mean, I, I thank God if the pulmonary resident hadn't been moonlighting in Augusta that weekend and suspected my widened mediastinum meant something, was important, um, well, who knows where I'd be right now. <laughs> right, right. Well, look, um, good luck. Get your, get your proclamations uh, out you. there. Uh, uh, hopefully this podcast mm-hmm. will, will help. Right. And because we, the, the whole reason we're doing mm-hmm. this is we're sharing our stories. We want to spread the word, and we want to give comfort to the, the people that are sitting at home not knowing what mm-hmm. they've got or, mm-hmm. or just finding out or, or suffering with sarcoidosis right. in some way, uh, as, uh, as all of us are. Yes. So, no, I, and I, I hope I, um, just because I've had, to, I've had to really search and get lucky finding things, um, Keep searching, and maybe you will get lucky too, because there's more resources now. <laughs> Got it. Good. Okay. Bob, thank you for joining us Bob, on the Start Fighter Podcast. So thanks to Bob for sharing his story, and to all of my guests. That concludes our series of uh, initial uh, patient profiles, sarcoidosis stories, whatever you want to call them, here in the month of April, which is Sarcoidosis Awareness Month. And uh, my idea was is that normally we publish this podcast every other week, but during the month of April, in celebration of Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, I thought what better way to make 
people aware of sarcoidosis than to have four sarcoidosis patients tell their sarcoidosis story. And so we have done that for four weeks in a row now. And you can listen to those back episodes if you'd like to go back through. Uh, just, you know, it's so brave of people to put themselves out there and to talk about everything that they have been through and to kind of share with the world, especially in this time of HIPAA, uh, where you're not supposed to say anything about anything to anybody to say, hey, I'm putting this out there. I want to share it with the world. I hope it helps make the world a better place. I hope it helps find a uh, cure and a solution to sarcoidosis. So Bob is the very latest person to do that, and and I certainly, certainly appreciate um, his willingness to come on. So uh, the only other thing that I would say is if you want to help make it worth it for me, and in particular for all the people who've come on and and shared those stories, uh, share the Sark Fighter podcast. Take a link to this show and put it out there. Uh, let, let's let the world know that the Sark Fighter podcast is now in existence. And by all means, if you have uh, methotrexate stories or other stories, horror stories, which is what it usually is uh, with your medication, or if you're taking a medication that's really working and maybe you think nobody knows about it, my uh, email address is in the show notes as well, and you can just email me. It's carlinagency at gmail. Dot com. Yeah, but uh, and look for uh, the Sark Fighter podcast on uh, Instagram, and we have a Facebook page, and please stop by and like those and check out the pictures and leave comments, and let's just uh, help this podcast be a part of the sarcoidosis community by staying in touch with one another and, uh, and finding ways to help spread the word and, and all the good things that are happening on this podcast, which as I speak to you is just really uh, just a couple of months old. All right. So that's all for the Sark Fighter podcast. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. And until next time, keep fighting.